Hi, everybody. Steve Albrecht from Library 2.0. Thanks for joining me for this expert interview session today. I'm talking with Christian Real. He is a homeless outreach coordinator in California. He has done a lot of work in the homeless population, and he is uh, one of those subject matter experts that I tend to want to talk to and lean on for advice about what we can do for the library environment. Thanks, Christian, for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. So when we look at at homelessness as an overall issue in the country, it is certainly complex and it is certainly not one easy answer. But I think one of the things the library people would like to know from you is from your background and experience, um, you know, they they see the a wide range of homeless people coming into the library environment. Some of them are, are cooperative and quiet and don't cause any problems whatsoever. And a small number are really problematic. And sometimes they're problematic based on drug and alcohol use or mental health uh, concerns or both. What, what's your best advice for how we deal with those um, problematic homeless people that come in on an over and over kind of frequent flyer, regular basis into the library environment? So on the frequent flyer side, usually they look for phone chargers or outlets to plug their cell phones in and also the use of facilities. Um, that's usually, that's kind of like the, what the pattern that we've seen and for the problematic ones it's kind of find if you identify or your or staff actually sees someone who who is the constant flyer or the constant consumer of the library that may cause a ruckus i would oh you know i would actually ask them to uh, if they need any services or try to connect them with uh with some with services in regards of homelessness or treatment and that's kind of that's kind of not like the safe place to do it. And there are times I just remembered right now too. Usually, the, in South L, in South LA, there's a thing called uh, public spaces that the library actually contracts out a room specifically for people who are experiencing homelessness, and they could actually do the intake, the outreach on a certain part of the library in the room, and they can identify. Uh, uh, some sort of uh, a plan for them in either getting home, uh, getting homeless services or getting uh, treatment or even getting mental health or even just someone to talk to. So I just remember that right now. So, so in a perfect is, is world, that, uh, that, that, that room would be staffed by social workers from the county, correct? Correct. Or, or a nonprofit. Usually they're nonprofit okay. that actually comes and uses the facilities. We're seeing in libraries more and more opportunities for social workers to come into libraries and work there full time or work there on a part time basis or on a grant grant funded or, or you know, uh, sometimes we use graduate students um, in psychology and social work programs to come into libraries and, and do their um, hours. Um, do you see that as a as a trend that's that's on the uptick? I, I'm hoping so, but I, I'm, I don't have anything to measure as to whether we're seeing more uh, use of social workers in the library environment. As far as interns or for full-time career? But, uh, just, you know, library uh, people having access to social workers that are actually coming into the library and working for the library system. So I know that San Francisco does that, Denver, some other, <laughs> other libraries around the United States where they have actual social workers who are employed by the county working in the library as their office. Yes. So like I said, it's called public spaces on our side, and they have a certain time and certain time of day that they're in the library specifically just for that. And uh, if they and if they need to extend those hours, such say they find a client 
towards the end of the day that needs a little more help, they'll actually stay with a client or reschedule an appointment for them for either intake or services that my, the person might be interested in. And yeah, I that is uh, part of the that is part of the solution down here in Southern California, and um, and it's being utilized even uh, not just on uh, not just on public on libraries, but as well as a. Uh, trains, uh, subways, or even buses. So that's why the, the entity is called public spaces. So wherever people are congregated or the public congregates, that's where some of the social workers are. So if you look at some of the resources that library staff members can get, whether it comes from experts like you or social workers or homeless um, um, uh, people that run homeless shelters, what do you see that they we can provide to library people like hygiene kits or bus passes or or you know places where people can go and and store their belongings what kind of what kind of tools are you seeing that 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 people can get get or homeless people can get um, services from the library in terms of actual physical things that can help them the best way is water and hygiene kits and believe it or not socks okay socks is very important. A lot of people like why socks. I don't know. They just like socks. So socks, hygiene kits, and water, basic, and even just uh, like a non-perishable uh, snack, like a protein bar—not a protein bar, but uh, the granola bars—in uh, in that sense. Sure. And but storing storing items, I would not recommend storing items because you'll never know what's inside those items that that they carry. And, hope, and because of uh, there could be bed bugs or other things that might, you know, might make a mess inside. Like, like you know, you never know what they carry inside. So sure. but, uh, storing their possessions, I would not I would not recommend. Yeah, I guess what I meant there was, is, is there places that libraries can tell the homeless to go to be able to store their possessions? Like, you know, in this, this part of town, there's lockers or this part of town, there's there's, you know, storage for your yeah. stuff for the day and that, that libraries could give to uh, the patrons as information, not necessarily storing their stuff. Does that, does that happen where there's a place for them Got it. to put their things? That one is not happening. In our, yeah. That was not happening in, in our area. Okay. So I haven't seen lock. The only lockers I've seen is maybe like a bus terminal and that that's far in between that I've seen, you know, I've seen that in a while. Sure. When, when you look at the police response to the library, Oftentimes, you know, and I, I've seen this in my work a, across the board, sometimes the police are non-existent and sometimes the police are too much in the library. According to the staff members, they're, they're sort of intrusive to the library and the and the operations of it because they feel the police intimidate the, the patrons, homeless or not. And and I'm always looking for kind of the best boundary and the best best practices for cops coming into the library and and I think one of the issues that that library staffers don't understand is how difficult and this is where I'm looking for your expertise how difficult it is to talk to people that are have mental health and substance abuse issues at that exact moment. So what so when we do that so when we get those calls right, we always have a relationship with the police department or in our case, sheriff's department. So having a designated uh, team that actually responds or, or specializes in each, uh, in, in an area specifically to deal with homelessness, that is your key issue. The reason why is that the, those specialized deputies on our side, 
actually will go will get the call and then they will refer the call to us and we go simultaneously so they they're on standby and we go inside and uh uh, assess the situation. If we needed to escalate a little more, then we'll bring them in. But for we are the one who engages first. So in so Los Angeles, with your local, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, in Los Angeles County, no, that's, that's the host, right? Homeless Outreach Services team for the Sheriff's Department. Is that correct? Uh, yes, but but the, the, the host team is countywide. Okay. So they will, and they're also short staff. So even the host team will have difficulty doing the. Uh, those calls for services. So like I said, it's the local uh, stations that actually can assist quicker than the host team because the host team has a, they're all over the county and specifically they're, they're not responding to calls for service. They're specifically going into homeless encampments and a library is technically not a homeless encampment or RV encampment. So it's usually the specialized uh, deputies on our side that actually can assist. And each station has a specific deputy or deputies who actually respond to those calls. What What do you think the average patrol officer, patrol deputy, doesn't get about homelessness? Doesn't understand about the homeless population? What do you What do you think the gaps in their knowledge are most about? Depending on how long they're they're in line, it's usual. It's because technically homelessness is not a criminal matter. You can't, it's a it, that's not criminal unless they're committing a crime. Then that's a different story. But if uh, someone asks them to, hey, can you uh, can you remove this person in my property? Um, that and um, officers could, the deputies could actually ask them to leave. But if it's in a private area, if that's a public area, they're and they're a patron. That's the difficult part. So there's no uh, the, the balance. There is how how good. The deputy is to diffuse the situation and offer a solution versus kicking a person out. So depending on the tools that he has or knowledge, that's the that's kind of like the game changer. On our side, we actually train some of the deputies, and uh, they have our numbers. And when they get a call, they would actually piggyback with us and ask them, "Hey, I got this guy in the library, or I got this guy who needs help. How can we how can we help him?" So by doing that, it makes it a more humanitarian way versus arresting your way, in a sense, of uh, arresting your way out of the problem. So we all work coincide with each other. That's why our relationship with law enforcement, uh, the, the county workers who assist with homelessness or nonprofits, those are your key elements. Those are your key ingredients to uh, serve the population that is di in dire need of help. So if we look at two parts of the homeless population, one have substance abuse issues, stimulant drugs, methamphetamine, stuff like that, and opiates as one, one problematic part of the population. And the second is mental health. And obviously the third category is when they have both, both of those life issues. But let's start with the substance abuse um, population. What is your best strategy for communication, de-escalation, communication skills for library people when we're dealing with people that are that are um, uh, under the influence? So so there's a time and date. So a lot of people don't understand that there's a time and date that a lot of uh, a, a lot of substance abuse is occurring in the homeless population. That's usually the first of the month when people when the when uh, the clients will actually get their money 
So they could use, so they use uh, their money in for drugs. So the first of the month, it's almost like you can't really talk to anybody. As you progress along the month, they have less money and it's a little easier for them to talk to. So in regards to that, again, it's, it's also, it's, if it, are we talking about with no staff available, no social workers or no uh, law enforcement? Correct. Is it's that what you want to, is that correct. the answer you want here? Yeah, just the, the employee population in the library trying to, trying to help that population that's under the influence. Got, got, got it. So just know, know some of the signs. If someone's tweaking out or I call them pterodactyl arms, that one might cause a ruckus. And that's when use your good your good judgment whether to talk to that person, engage that person, and that that is yeah because that's unpredictable. That is very unpredictable. And then if a person is actually um, a little calmer or like heroin, heroin is usually a, a nodder, so they usually fall asleep. Just if you're gonna talk to them, make sure that you look around the area if there's any needles surrounding the area sometimes we like to leave narcan with uh with people or businesses just in case something happens to them or they find somebody passed out so they could narcan them and it's use your best judgment i mean i'm trying to figure out situations of where what what how about how alcohol approach it but how about alcohol Honestly, users? Honestly, it's user benches. Yeah, alcohol users, a different set of alcohol strategies. Alcohol users? If they're not, if, if they're not, if they're drinking, you, if they're drinking, then you might want to ask them to uh, leave the premises. And if they get really aggressive, that's, like I said, usual and good, good your judgment as well. And I'm sorry, I'm rambling, I'm rambling on and on because I'm trying to figure out examples. Sure. On the top of my head. Yeah, I and, guess the yeah. second part of that would and, be, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, the second part of that would be, you know, if we look at people that have um, mental health issues, it could be depression, it could be psychosis, schizophrenia. Um, I've also been told by homeless uh, outreach people like you that there's a large degree of undiagnosed autism in the homeless population. Has that been your experience as well? Um, I believe I haven't seen it personally, but I've seen I've uh, in an adult manner, not really, but with children, yes. So those are those we actually refer out to the school to get an IEP, which is an individual educational plan, and that's when we kind of that's when we talk to the school, and we have a plan for them to. Uh, get their social security benefits if the child's eligible, as well as trying to see what services the mom or the family is interested in. But as far as adults, they, they're usually being, they usually have a diagnosis early, early on in their childhood. What do you think is the most difficult homeless, uh, in terms of homeless uh, population, what's the most difficult mental illness for library staffs to deal with? Psychosis, schizophrenia, out of touch with reality, um, um, threats of violence. What, what's what's the most difficult for them to deal with? It's all of the above. Threat for violence is that that's the thing that that's the one thing that will always perk people up because I'm going to kill you, I'm going to hurt you, and that 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 then that becomes more personal, not just an attack at the library, 
becomes more a threat to the individual who's making contact with the uh, the person. So most most of them is a a personal threat because now it's going to be a fight or flight, or I'm going to call the cops, and then if the cops come in, let's see how long they take. And that's uh, I think that's the most difficult one. And what what are your best communication tools for those people that are severely mentally ill? Space and distance, not touching them, not touching their stuff, using careful tones, uh, using careful questions, careful careful instructions, that type of thing. That that all makes sense. Plus plus what else? I actually wear a funny T-shirt usually when I talk to people, like a cat T-shirt. When you wear a cat T-shirt, you're, you it's it's more entertaining or something funny. It kind of diffuses the situation that you're trying to. It it puts their guard down because you have a cat T-shirt. Not everybody likes to wear a cat T-shirt. So when I wear a cat T-shirt, there's two purposes of it. If I wear a cat T-shirt, it's it's a uh, People like pets. Not a lot of people like cats all the time. I sometimes have a dog t-shirt. So they like to conversate what I'm wearing. And it's a nice breaker. Number two, if I get in trouble and I call the station, I'm on 135th and Broadway. I'm wearing a cat shirt. Click. I give my location and my description. What they're going to look for? A guy in a cat shirt. So I try to use icebreakers. And if I look in their area, if I see a lot of bicycles, Oh, you're a bike mechanic. So I look at the, the things that, that surround them and I apply that in the conver- the initial point of conversation. Just open the door. So common ground. Common ground, correct. So so with the in terms of asking for compliance with people with mental health issues, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of anxiety in that population, a lot of fear. They don't like being touched, their per- personal space being violated. I mean, those are all rules that you, you think library people ought to follow in terms of space and distance and things like that. Yes, don't touch your items. Don't touch your belongings because you know, nobody likes to get touch your belongings unless they ask for help for it. But make sure you wear proper safety, uh, safety, uh, you know, the PPE, that, you know, whatever the protocol is. Because like I said, you never know what they're carrying. You, never, you don't want to get pricked or poked or all of a sudden you have a, uh, something on you so just just like i said use a uh, best practice good judgment best practices when you look at uh back to substance abusers for a second i you know you talked about stimulant drug users and then people that are kind of on the nod from from opiates i also think about people that are in withdrawal from either of those drugs or when withdrawal from alcohol that makes them kind of erratic um you know their drug of choice they need to use at you know four to four to six hour intervals and are not able to get it and, and that makes them problematic or erratic or really difficult. Has that been your experience in seeing people in withdrawal that are just hard to handle? Yes, so especially the alcohol ones, because I think you, you could die a little quicker than alcohol. And uh, you'll die quicker with alcohol versus uh, opiates or drugs. And when that withdrawal, it's, it's, it's gnarly. I'll put it that way. It's gnarly. And like... The- <laughs> Excuse me. And there's sometimes I've I've seen social workers because they work with certain clients that they literally buy them alcohol just to calm them down before they go to a treatment or detox or some sort of uh, care. Just because just because of the the alcohol could could, could, uh, kill them quicker. When you look at the the sense of resources that library people may be able to make referrals to. I think sometimes they may know that it's the county or social workers or 
or or how would they get a hold of folks like you that have special expertise in homelessness just in, in the United States in general? Is it connected through the county? Is it is it grant funded homeless programs? Is it is it shelters? What's the best way? If you're a library person, who would you who would you call if it was beyond the social workers? Who would be your your go to for beyond just social workers or police? <laughs> so each so. I'm going to give uh, an example of LA County. So LA County is broken down into supervisory districts. And then each supervisory district has a lead in the area. So the supervisor supervisors is the one that runs the county. Um, and each uh, supervisor districts, we have a thing, we have a thing that we call service provider area or spa. And each of each, uh, district has a lead of each spa. I think we have eight spas in our in our district and uh, there's always a lead. And then when you find who the lead is, the serve you could actually look on the website of the county website like say with ours I'll give you our example. Ours is supervisor district 2. When you put supervisor district 2, it'll come in in spa 6 and spa 8. Each spa has a different lead and it'll tell you the services that are available and uh and who, who to contact in to get services. <coughs> we also have 211 down here, and 211 will also uh, assist in getting services for people over the phone. And it's almost like a yellow, but in my opinion, that our 211 is not the greatest. So it's it's still going to the website for the county is the best the best bet to, the best way to go. So in most or in most um, cities and counties, the county is kind of the default for mental health, for substance abuse, for homeless services. And in, in mo across the country, you would say most most times it's the county is the default uh, service provider for the cities and for the right. for people. Uh, for the county, yes, but there's also uh, there's a t we, so the county provides funding to this uh, multi. Uh, it's it's a it, they call it E6. It's a multidisciplinary team. So in each team, there is a mental health specialist, uh, substance abuse, peer advocate, case manager, that and even a nurse that drives around specifically looking or responding to calls for uh, individuals who's needing help, which all, which is also part of uh, the the team that I called public spaces earlier. Right. So there are teams that rove around in our in our area do you and think we do library... have a, a a central dispatch that if uh an individual needs uh help it goes to the coordinator like i said remember uh each spa as a as a coordinator right uh the calls will go directly to them and will be distributed out the response time unfortunately is between the uh, same day or 24 hour or 72 hours of response time do you, do you think libraries um, would benefit from calling individual homeless shelters and saying, can you give us some advice, some information? Can you send somebody here? Can we meet? Can we talk about some services we may be able to provide to a homeless population that comes in here that comes through you? I mean, is that a is that a reasonable? You know, we talked about the hygiene kits and the socks and things like that. Would that be reasonable for, oh, for li library leaders to reach out to homeless shelters nearby and say, how can we partner on some things? Absolutely. That's probably the key because now you have a versus hoping that someone will pick up your call. Now you have a person who you actually connect with. And that is absolutely crucial for both in order to be uh, in order to become um, a team.
So just a final question for you, and I appreciate your 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 feedback and your your information. Do, do you feel uh, ho uh, um, hopeful about the direction that we're going, not just in California, but in, in the United States? Or do you feel pessimistic? I mean, I feel, I guess, because I look at the population so often, as probably you do, I feel that, you know, the victories are small sometimes, and also the progress is 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 small and and it's a it's a tough population to deal with so i don't feel all that optimistic about immediate solutions but i mean what what do you feel like in terms of the future and hope Ooh, it's difficult it's really difficult to gauge but like i said i feel the same way as you do we get little victories here and there but eventually well and hoping that they don't come back into their situation but uh, it's it's difficult. It's difficult on our side because we want to we want to help everybody, but we can't force them to get help. Anything else to wrap up? No, sorry, sorry. I just go in around in circle just because of my my flu. Yeah. Or my yeah. So I'm usually a little more uh, prepared. But yeah, you're like very I, helpful for everybody, and I, I appreciate it. So, Christian, thanks a lot. Let me go off the recording.